Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Uh, we are hosted now by hashtag basketball.com. So thank you, hashtag basketball, for, uh, for hosting this podcast. And I am joined once again by uh, my good friend, Mike Musket. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Oh, not too terrible. I think I'm coming down with something. I think it's just stress from my uh, upcoming fancy basketball draft this weekend. You're just trying to get off work to get more study time in before the draft? Yeah, it's a good move. If you can call in sick to uh, to work on fantasy basketball, you either have a gullible boss or a pretty, I guess, lackluster life or both. Or just I really good have, job security. Yeah, or that. I have one of those three things. Let's go ahead and jump right into the fantasy basketball tonight. We have a few not-so-breaking uh, stories, uh, but semi-fantasy relevant. So one of the latest moves in the NBA has been the highly touted Tony Snell from the Chicago Bulls moving to the Milwaukee Bucks for Michael Carter-Williams, the original MC triple-dub, who will be his claim to fame, dropping that triple-double against Cleveland on his very first game. That'll probably be the best game he'll ever play, but Maybe not. Maybe not for the Bulls. Uh, what do you think about this uh, trade? And I guess what do you think about it fantasy wise? And go ahead and tell me what you think about it in real life as well. Well, this could be the biggest trade of our generation. So I think it's pretty monumental that it happened not at the deadline. In seriousness, though, neither of the players is going to be regular season or standard league relevant, in my opinion. But they definitely both became more relevant in this trade. Do you think Michael Carter Williams was fantasy relevant before the trade? I. I don't think he was. Maybe in a, a larger would, league. He was, a, he was a, a streaming option maybe for a standard league. In deeper leagues, he would, he would have been draftable. But not a, he wouldn't be picked up in every league, even in, even in relatively deep leagues. Now he's one of the primary candidates for the backup point guard role in, in, in Chicago. But I don't think anyone expects Rondo to play less than the mid, low to mid-30s, even with Michael Carter-Williams on the team. Yeah, Rondo's still definitely the starter. He's definitely going to play, you know, 30-plus minutes a game. Michael Carter-Williams can run a team. He is lengthy. He does play decent defense. He did play extended minutes with the Bucks, but he's he's probably the primary backup now in Chicago, which completely drops any fantasy relevance he would have at all. Tony Snell is still as relevant as ever in fantasy basketball, and by that I mean he should only be drafted in 500 player deep leagues. Uh, he's terrible and good riddance, Tony Snell. Actually, he was a decent defender, and um, I don't, I won't miss him whatsoever from my Chicago Bulls. And I don't know how I feel about the worst shooting uh, backcourt of all time. Uh, but when the rest of the league's zigging, you got to zag, man. We're going for free throws this year. I don't know if this little known fact: free throws higher percentage shot than three-pointers. You make more free throws than three-pointers, you're going to beat any team making threes. It's a new strategy. It's the Bulls are going for that. Well, Snell does have, I mean, now that they've gotten rid of Snell, he, he doesn't shoot any free throws, and he does shoot threes, but that's all he shoots. Do you think he'll start in Milwaukee? No, definitely not. I think they'll run him off the bench in a similar fashion he ran in Chicago. He'll come in for, you know, 12, 15 minutes a game. He's 
he does play decent perimeter defense. Um, there's some uh, stats that, that kind of back that up that he was on a pretty good rotation last year whenever the uh, defensive uh, five-man five rotation, when he came in, the defense did go up for the Chicago Bulls, whose defense fell off at the, in the second half of, of last year. What I found was really interesting when I was doing some research on Snell is he played with Rose and Butler and Gasol for almost all of his minutes last year. So in in Milwaukee, he could have a lot more opportunities. I don't know what he did with the ball when he got it. Not much. Because he didn't pass it. He didn't get any assists. And he didn't take very many shots inside the arc. And he didn't make any that he didn't that he did take. But he's going to be in an extremely different environment in Milwaukee with without playing with Rose Butler and Gasol. There's a much different uh, team makeup in Milwaukee, to say the least. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this is... Since this is not uh, fantasy relevant, let's move on as quickly as possible from uh, those guys. And if sorry if you're in a deep league and you wanted us to wax on about that any longer. The other semi-recent uh, news has been the ever-constantly injured Anthony Davis uh, rolling his ankle and uh, possibly out for one or two weeks. What do you think about this injury? I don't think it affects his draft stock at all. If you're surprised that he got a injury and is going to miss a week or two, then you haven't been following Anthony Davis's career. He's shown that he's come back from these minor nagging injuries many times. It won't be the last time he misses a game either. No, it will not. Um, I, I agree that you shouldn't really worry about this. It's probably it's a precaution so he actually does start the season that they're probably going to sit on the rest of the preseason. Anthony Davis has never played more than 70 games in a season, and you should everyone should know that by now if, if, if you're playing. Uh, but does this really knock me out of taking him in the first round and even possibly in the middle of the first round? Not at all, because his totals, even with uh, playing under 70 games a season, he has finished in the top 10 twice, and last year only playing 61 games. This is, these are totals, not per game averages. In a 9-cat uh, league, he finished 17th playing 61 games. So if he does have a healthier season than usual, uh, you can you can probably pencil him in as a, as a top five player. Yeah, uh, Hashtag Basketball has him using their projections in my ranking system as the number eight player for next year on a per-game basis. That's I would, I would feel comfortable drafting him at the beginning of the second round. I, I, I'd, I'd go even higher than uh, if you get him in the, end of the, the beginning of the second round, good for you. But I, I could it's see also possible that his he's faking his injury. He's just taking the time off to interview personal assistant candidates. I heard I about you saw that, that on, I, on Craigslist, huh? Right, right. He's got to weed out all on? the creeps. I should have jumped on that. I, I think I, I would have been a great personal assistant for Anthony Davis. Yeah, I was going to fly up there, down there, and try it out. But I'm not six five, so was that a requirement? It was a recommendation. Uh, I'll ne- I would never make it. I'm about a foot know how short. To dress. I'm a foot shorter than that, but I know how to dress. So, and I oh. I could lose at NBA 2K at any time. So Anthony Davis, don't worry about drafting him. Keep him uh, where you had him before this little injury. That's all really the breaking news we got. Uh, similar to last episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to the last episode, please go check us out. We are now official. We are on iTunes or your favorite podcast. Uh, application on your Android phone. 
look for watching the boxes. If you're listening to this, you probably have already done that. So good job. Similar to last episode, we are going to break down one of the more interesting fantasy teams. Uh, a lot of teams, you kind of you know who the starters are. You know who's going to play. But uh, some of the teams leave a little bit more to the imagination. We're not sure what they're going to do with their rotations. And uh, today we're going to talk about a team that I'm kind of interested in, what they're going to do, because there's some interesting guys on this team, the Orlando Magic. Let's go ahead, Mike, and uh, let's go through this roster. Um, and let's start with, I guess, similar last time, who do you think's got the best fantasy value on this roster right now? I'm most comfortable drafting uh, Fournier. Uh, he's got – he had a great year last year, and there's no reason – he's not fighting for minutes like everyone else in the in the front court. He's got a fantasy-friendly game and should even grow even more in this year. Yeah, I like, I like Fournier. Um, he's pretty young. He's 24. He had a good uh, season. Not a great fantasy season last year, but he should improve. He doesn't do anything fantastic. He's not going to win you a category. But in your Roto Leagues and your 9-cat leagues where you need balance, uh, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, obviously, he doesn't get blocks as a guard, but that's not what you're expecting. Uh, good assists, or okay assists, actually. Uh, good steals and hits. Uh, hit about two three-pointers a game last year. Uh, I do like Fournier. I, th- I I don't know if there's a little hype train behind him this year. I've heard uh, a lot of different people talk about you know moving him up pretty far in the draft, and uh, I wouldn't reach for Fournier, uh, but I do like him, especially in a nine-cat roto league. I would actually go with how, the... How early would you take him? I think earliest, late fifth round. I'm not too high on him. I would actually take uh, Serge Ibaka before I would take Evan Fournier on this team. I understand the front court has a lot of people in it, but they just traded uh, their best player for Serge Ibaka. I expect him to be on the floor uh, for starters minutes. Ibaka has proven in the past to be an elite fantasy basketball player. Great blocks. He could hit from outside. He added a three-pointer to his game last year on a new team where he actually might be looked to to, uh, to run the offense through. I think this is where this team gets interesting because you have Serge Ibaka, you have the new contract for Bismack, Biombo, who's got the best name in the NBA, and then you have uh, Nikola Vujovic, who was actually the staple fantasy basketball player on this team just last year. What do you think is going on with this rotation here? I mean, that's the million-dollar question. I think that they're going to play Ibaka starters minutes, like you said. I think they have to play Gordon 30 minutes a game. Other than that, I think it's a, a dice roll. Vucevic is – or Vujovic, Vujovic is uh, – I call him Vujovic. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, go with it. I've always thought it was Vucevic, but it's going to be hard for me to roll with that. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got a really strong fantasy game. But I don't think that they're committed to him starting, and I don't think they're committed to him getting a lot of minutes. He's not making as much money as the other players he's competing with, and I think that's going to hurt his – I think that could end up hurting his minutes. Yeah, I I think you could tell last year the team was kind of moving away from uh, him as a centerpiece, as someone to build around his defense is a little bit lackluster. But he does have a great fantasy game, but he he has to play those starters' minutes – I don't see a reason why two of those three guys shouldn't be on the court at all times. And we know that their head coach should 
uh, pride defense over anything else coming from Indiana. Uh, that was what he wanted. And so Bismack, Biombo, and I think Ibaka are great defenders, and they're and they're probably good to play with Vujovic. I'm just not sure Vujovic gets the enough minutes to keep his fantasy value where it was even just last year. Um, I think he does kind of tail off a little bit. We have heard that Eric Gordon will be the starting three for the Orlando Magic. Uh, what do you think that does to his fantasy value? I think he'll grow this year, just like we've seen every year from him. I think they're going to be committed to him uh, being a part of the offense. And the comments they've, they've made about uh, comparing him to Paul George are, would get me pretty exciting if I had him in a dynasty league. And I'd, I'd be excited to draft him. I mean, not, not, not very early, but I'd be excited to draft him in the mid-rounds. It's a, I think that's an aggressive comparison, though one to hype him up, one to get him going, and especially for a new role, being a three, he looks more like a, a four, uh, kind of a stretch smaller four in today's game. But, but he's athletic enough to, to guard a, a more traditional three. Yeah, he can, he's a really good defender. He, uh, fantasy-wise, it's going to take a, a nice little leap for him to be relevant, but he does a little bit of everything. Uh, he gets steals and blocks, good rebounder, and he shoots threes. So he could be uh, on the if he's given the chance to play 32 minutes, start at the three, and work on his game. He in, in dynasty leagues, I'd be excited about him as well. And even in in regular leagues, I, I see him definitely being. Uh, very fantasy relevant this year, uh, easily a top 100 player if he is the type of player that we, we've seen flashes of when he gets the uh, the chance to to be a part of that offense. Yeah, the only place where he hurts you is his free throw percentage, and we've we've seen players improve their free throw percentage before. He's got a a lot of uh, a lot of potential. He's really fun to watch. So if you're drafting players, expecting to watch, focus on their games. He's a, he's a great guy to pick. Yeah, and probably if you got any dunk contest uh, betting pools, you might want to take him again this year. Uh, he is a monster a- athlete. Are you taking Gordon ahead of anyone, uh, any one of those three, Ibaka, Vujovic, or, or Biombo in a redraft league? I wouldn't draft them before, before them, but I, that's because I expect Ibaka and Vujovic to be drafted already. I don't see myself drafting those two those two players. There's just there's just too much risk involved. They'd have to fall a round or two for me to get them. So they're usually taken by the time that they get around to me. That makes sense. I I agree. Would you take him over Bismack Biombo though? Yes, yes, I would. Uh, if I was punting free throw percentage, I think Biombo might might become a little bit more interesting. But I'm not convinced Biombo gets significant minutes. He's never. Other than the playoffs last year, he's never contributed on a regular basis. Yeah, but when Bismack does play 30 minutes and he gets a chance, he, he can be pretty dominant in in blocks and rebounds. I mean, he had a 25-rebound game last year. He had a six-block game last year. He's always going to put up blocks and rebounds, but those are the only two things you can count on on a permanent basis. And with so much depth in their front court, it's possible he – is sitting around 20 to 25 minutes all, all, all year. Like, that wouldn't be very surprising to me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. 
Um, he's definitely a late round flyer or a late round grab. And I think in any league, because even in roto leagues, you you need those stats. In head to head leagues, he can swing a week for you. I take him next to last or even third to last round because he's he's going to play. He's going to play on this team, and even in limited minutes, he's a good rebounder and he gets great blocks for even if he's playing you know twenty three twenty four minutes. Couldn't agree more. Anyone else on this team? Are you are you interested at all in Alfred Payton? I'm sure in the right situation, uh, actually in the right situation, most of these guys make sense. Uh, but Alfred Payton is now permanently the starting point guard and will run the offense. Are you interested in him this year at all? He's he's young. He's got great hair and he's got good potential. So I I think he's he's draftable with a late round flyer if you're a believer. I'm not a believer. I'd like to see the Magic trade Vujovic for a replacement for him like Brandon Knight. But as long as he's on the team and getting the minutes, he could grow into become a, a contributor. But I'm I'm a little bit more interested in in Super Mario. Oh no, Super Mario. Where do you th- what do you think his role is? Do you, do you uh, in this uh, rotation six man of the six man of the year? Are you one of the on the hype train for old Super Mario? I don't think he'll actually win six man of the year, but I like to play in deeper leagues, so he's he's always worth a flyer in a deeper league. It'd be uh, pretty risky to take him in a standard league, <clears throat> but he could be he could be anything next year. Maybe not this year, but next year. Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of out on Hazonia last year. And quickly that became, well, due to horrible coaching, uh, that became, uh, he became a non-factor. And I'm, I'm out on Hazonia this year. I just, uh, unless he's taken a nice step and he's getting high minutes. Uh, and I've seen some good playing time in, in the preseason, but nothing, nothing has terribly stood out as someone who's going to suddenly jump into the starting roster. Unless you're in a deep league, I'd stay away from Mario. But I actually think Alfred Payton, he uh, he does warrant a roster spot in standard leagues. Uh, he's also kind of a similar to Bismack Biombo. He's a guy who gets you good steals and actually quality assists uh, as a late round pick. And assists are really hard to come by in in fantasy. And so Alfred, being the primary ball hitter, playing starters minutes. He he's going to get his uh, enough chances to to get you assist. His shooting is abysmal. So if you're in a nine cat league or a roto league where you care about all nine cats, maybe spot starts or keep away from him. But if you don't mind, if you're in a punting, especially if you're in a punting situation uh, for free throws or field goal, he's actually he's a pretty good player. If you're putting free throw percentage, he's a he's a great guard to pick. You're going to get really good value for him. There's not a lot of starting point guards that can't shoot free throws in the league. So he's a, he's a really good player to target. So, yeah, uh, speaking of punting, you are working on a punting uh, article for Hashtag Basketball, and I believe you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, one of the strategies in, the, in that punting. So in that punting article that you're going to be putting out right in time for everybody's very important weekend draft, the weekend before the NBA starts. Uh, so go ahead, and uh, what, what's one of the strategies that you that you like to apply uh, when it comes to punting for head-to-head leagues? Well, at first I was hoping to talk about the 
difference between punting uh, one of the ratio categories, like field goal percentage and free throw percentage, and punting a counting category, like points, blocks, threes, or assists. It's a lot easier to get value for players like Alfred Payton or Dwight Howard if you're targeting players that are bad at a percentage because they hurt the rest of the league so much that they drop in their draft position so you can get a player that's going to help you in the categories that you want a lot more than other players. Unlike a player like Serge Ibaka, who's not going to get you very many assists at all, but he's not going to hurt anyone else in assists. So he doesn't actually hurt their value as much as other players. You're just going to be concentrating your value if you pick him. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good I, point. I know you, no, no, uh, it's a pretty good point that the the severity of guys like Dwight Howard, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and, and Drummond, they, they, they destroy you. Just one person destroys you in a category. And that's why actually I like to punt things like free throws. If you remove free throws from the equation, guys like DeAndre Jordan are top five players. And, and that's probably my favorite way to punt when I'm in head-to-head leagues. It's definitely the most value-added strategy you can you can come up with. The problem is no one – Andre Drummond is drafted in every league. And in auction leagues, he gets pretty good value because there's usually at least two players that are punting free throws. So they're, he's going to – they're going to drive up their price above the zero or one dollar that he actually should get if everyone else was – Valuing his free throws appropriately, he'd be an unplayable player. Yeah, it's the most obvious punting strategy. Exactly. But it doesn't mean it doesn't work, especially if you you throw them up there early. Sometimes that can help you in an auction, and no one else is prepared to pay as much as you are, and you can get them for a really good value sometimes. Yeah, if you're you're in a snake, obviously you're going to have to reach for those guys. And in an auction, you can go get those guys. And you know, and, and sometimes they're they're worth they're worth it if you're playing that strategy correctly. Um, do you have any in strategies that might not be quite on the nose as the the punt free throw strategy? Well, another popular punting strategy is punting all of the ratios, everything that can hurt you. So you punt of the nine categories: field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and turnovers. What that does for you is it lets you ignore all of the ratios, ignore everything that hurts you about players and just try to collect as much counting stats as you can. And that gives you a relatively balanced punting strategy, unlike free throw percentage. So you're able to target players that are from all the positions. So if you go through hashtag basketball's projections and do a punt those three categories, your top three players are Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Hassan Whiteside. So you get, and in the top six, there are two players that are power forward eligible. So you have every single position, there's multiple players that can play it for the, in the, in the, in the top of the first round. So it's a, it's a very balanced strategy. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm always for ignoring turnovers, no matter what league you're in. The, the best guys in the league have the ball in their hands and they turn the ball over the most. Obviously guys like uh, Chris Paul, who has the, the ball in his hand all the time, and turns the ball over very little. He's an asset uh, when you're in a nine cat full league. But if you're gonna if you're gonna stack your team with uh, high end guys, um, you're going to have guys who turn the ball over. Uh, and like you're saying, if you ignore that, uh, Russell Westbrook, he might average five turnovers this year, which would be absolutely amazing. But 
he become that becomes irrelevant if you completely I- ignore those turnovers. Do you have any other guys who fit that uh, that punting strategy? I, I, for one that comes to mind is uh, a lower guy it would be Rajon Rondo. Um, his percentages are, are are pretty crappy, but his assists deals are pretty great. Oh, I lost you there for a second. Who who are you talking about? Uh, Rajon Rondo. Uh, he's the kind of guy who can really hurt you in turnovers and in free throw, but his assists are top of the league, and he gets great steals and rebounds for a guard. Yeah, in the if you look at the nine cat rankings for uh, hashtags pro- projections, he's a hundred twenty eighth ranked player. But in the punting all of the turnover and percentages categories, he's the 42nd ranked player. So you get a increase in value of 25 places. So it's, it's, it's a really useful. He's a, he's a great point guard to target. And from all of the talk in Chicago is that he's been everything that they could have hoped for um, despite his shortcomings on the court. So I, I would expect him to keep all of his minutes. So he'd, he'd be a great target. Well, it's very early in the season and, uh, Hoiberg might work out for him because Hoiberg is not a confrontational coach, uh, which actually kind of probably hurt his presence as a rookie coach last year. That's why he lost the team last year, along with the fraction between the old guard and the new guard. Uh, but this might work out for Rondo. Uh, he does seem like he is, is is putting a lot of effort into these, these preseason games I, I've seen him play. I do expect his turnovers to be very high, so if you're punting turnovers, he will be someone you want to target. I think by this time in Dallas, he'd already gotten in two shutting matches on the court with Carlisle, so he's got a leg up on that already. Yeah, things are looking up, and let's not we don't need to get into what a mess Sacramento is. No matter who goes there, that's that's a mess. So do you think Chicago's gonna be in the same in the same light by the end of the year? I don't think so. Uh, Dwayne Wade, I think is a, a as a veteran presence even though uh, we spent years uh, fighting against him in in Miami. He is from Chicago. I have to give it a couple months, and I'll be a huge Wade fanboy. He's a veteran. He's a champion. He's going to bring a presence to that locker room that would hopefully negate the brooding nonsense that Rondo might spill out. It should be a a pretty interesting year in Chicago. I think it's going to go better than people think and worse than anyone could expect, whatever that means. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Chicago this year. I don't think that collection of talent will will go without a 41 season, which is way above the uh, expectations right now, I think. And the East, that's a playoff. The East has been in crap for about a decade. So 40 wins, that's the playoffs. Absolutely. So on to this uh, punting strategy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of players that you can target in the first round. So what, the way I approach a snake draft is I, I get whoever I get in the first round because there's just too much value there to delve too deeply into your punting strategy and then base the rest of my strategy on that. So with the punt, punting the ratio categories in the first round, you can take Westbrook, Harden, Whiteside, Curry, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins. Those are all players that are – that is the top five in, in this – in this punting strategy. And those are all players that it would be appropriate to take them in the first round, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree. That makes sense. I actually really like being at the end of this first round uh, this year. And I've had a lot of people ask me, Oh, you know, I'm going to be in this spot. 
uh, should what should I start punting? And the the answer is nothing yet. Wait t- wait till the second round. Those guys are so good. You don't have to worry about that. Guys like James Harden with his turnover and his shooting, he leads you to start punting those categories. So he's definitely better. But if you end up with a a guy like LeBron James, that doesn't mean you have to give up your punting strategy. He's good. Uh, just because he don't go after guys who fit your punting strategy. Go a- go after guys who are good and happen to be better because of your punting strategy. Absolutely. If you have Steph Curry on your team, you can still punt whatever you want, and he's going to contribute Just a don't lot punt, don't punt in every other category. That'd be okay, better. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. And I, and you can I, still punt ratios even if you have Steph Curry, who's great at both field goal and free throw percentage. You can still punt them with him on your team. You're losing some value, but he's still a great player. Sure. And uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden, they're, they're huge at free throws. It doesn't mean you can't go the punt free throw out, but you're you're set up to to be good at free throws. So maybe reconsider. Uh, only punt, field goal, and turnover at that point. But it's really the first round shouldn't set your set up your strategy. It should lead into your strategy. Right. If you are drafting Hassan Whiteside in the at the end of the first round, you probably shouldn't go in and start punting field goal percentage and blocks. But then in the second round, there's a that's when you start getting some some value for your punting strategy. So you can take a DeMarcus Cousins, who is the 64th ranked player in nine category leagues, just because of his. Um, it seems a little low, actually. That does seem. But he low has low. a. He's a what are they, projected what are they to have, have, have really poor free throw percentage and a lot of turnovers. Well, I, Most, I actually I, I, I rank him a lot higher than that, even with those turnovers, free throws, field goals. Um, but he's out of the top 20, actually, if, if you look at what he did last year uh, for averages. Let me make sure I'm looking at averages. Per game value, which um, makes him look better because he only played 65 games, he was the 21st, 21st best player in nine uh, because of his percentages and his turnovers. Using my uh, ranking system and hashtag basketball's projections, he's the 64th projected player next year. You might have um, to have a talk to uh, to hashtag uh, to old Joey to make sure he uh, adjusts that. That just that just doesn't sound right to me. And then, um, but he's he's being taken at the approximately the 14th pick ADP in, in Yahoo. And if you're doing the right punting strategy, he's obviously, like I said, the number six number six ranked player in this strategy. So you, there's still value to be had, even though his even though my ranking system puts such a negative emphasis on his turnovers and free throws. Yeah, definitely. He's he's better than that if you where he's being taken right now if you're punting those things. I actually think DeMarcus is going to have a monster year. A lot of those guys who go and play USA basketball, they they see how other superstars are playing, how they're practicing, how they're going at uh, how they're going after the game and they go they they take their game up a, a step after playing USA basketball. DeMarcus Cousins has got a gold medal. I think he's he's taking – I don't know if you would call it a step because the guy's a monster already. I think he's going to be domination this year, and I hope he is because I, I love Boogie. I think he's one of the safest picks you can take at the end of the first round or the second round. He could have a big step up like, like you think, but no one I, – I would be extremely surprised if he took a step back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who who else in the second uh, second going into the third round kind of fits that uh, that that punting strategy? 
So the other players in the top 10 are all, they all have an ADP between 17 and 21. And those players are John Wall, Draymond Green, Paul Millsap, and Kyle Lowry. Those are all players that you can grab with your with your second pick and get top 10 projected value. Yeah, I like, uh, I like John Wall in that list the most, I'd say. He is basically Chris Paul with bad percentages and turnovers. So when you take away those stats, he's Chris Paul. And Chris Paul, you know, is is going to really be in good. the middle of the first round. Chris Paul has been great for a very long time and should continue to be great. If you can get Chris Paul value with your mid late second round pick of John Wall, wherever John Wall happens to be going, uh, probably in the early second, mid second. Yeah. John Wall's ADP is twenty on Yahoo right now. Really? He's, and Chris he's Paul's going later ADP than I thought he would. Chris Paul's ADP is ten on Yahoo. And he's the eleventh ranked player in this in this punt strategy. So yeah, you could be set at guard that early. Uh, that's really that's huge because uh, once those elite guards are gone, it's a it's a long fall off to the next to those lower tier guards. In the with your third pick, you could take Kemba Walker, who's the the twelfth uh, ranked player in this strategy, or actually thirteenth ranked player in the strategy, and a twenty seven ADP. So there's a there's a decent chance you can get him in the third round. Yeah, uh, Kimber Walker is a, a shooter for sure, and that usually is what kills you that uh, that field goal percentage. Uh, I like Kimber Walker's game. I just uh, I'm not sure if I believe Kimber Walker is going to have the same season he had last season. Uh, I don't really have much to base that on. He actually looks really good in the preseason, so I've, I've been moving him back up from my pessimistic view. But I'm not sure he reaches back into the top 20 this year. Uh, I don't see a huge fall off for him either. But I, I don't know if I like him if you're ranking him where he finished last year. Maybe a step back from that. I'm not sure he plays 81 games again. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm a little pessimistic on Kimba Walker. And it's just a, a unscientific reason, which uh, sometimes you got to go with in fantasy basketball, but he's looking pretty good in preseason, so don't be afraid of him. Yeah, I'm going to have to admit to not watching a lot of Charlotte games last year, but everything I hear about the culture that they've got in, in Charlotte and what the players are saying makes me pretty excited for the team, and I would have uh, I would have no problem drafting him in the in – the, I'd be excited to draft him in the third round, I guess I'll say. Another player you could get is uh, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, in the third round – if he happens to fall to you, his ADP right now is 26 in Yahoo, and he'd be a a really good center eligible player you can grab if you didn't get one in the first or second round. I love Chris Stapps. Uh, I think I think he's going a little bit too low on those ADPs. Uh, bump him up just a little bit if you can get him at the beginning of that third round or early third round. Uh, that's real nice. I think he's going to be a nice centerpiece. They're going to work the ball through him. The main, I guess, the main scorers on that team, Carmelo and Derrick Rose, aren't the healthiest human beings in the world. So there could be times where they're sitting, and it's the Kristaps show. I love Porzingis. I was on. I loved him last year. I drafted him in a lot of leagues, and I, uh, I had him in a few keeper leagues. So I'm very pleased with myself with Porzingis. I don't see why he doesn't take a, a step. He does seem to be in pretty good shape. He's talked about how he's got to get his legs under him this year and playing a full NBA season. If you can get him in that third round, I'd snag him no matter what strategy we're using. I I completely agree. His 
he's actually the 20th ranked player in standard nine cat and he's going his adp is 25 so just on a not even a punting scale he's worth picking in the in the third round for sure but players that you can target uh later on in the draft typical punting free throw strategy players like deandre jordan who is a adp of 43 he is ranked in the 24th ranked player in this strategy other players like dwight howard and andre drummond are right around there too so if you can grab them with your howard is going as late as 74 adp so you can grab him in the fifth or sixth round and get great value for him as the 28th ranked player in a strategy yeah, I've seen a few mock drafts with Howard going pretty early, and I mean that has to be a punt strategy if you're taking Howard that early. I don't, I don't buy the the Atlanta resurgence from Howard. Dwight Howard is going to be the Dwight Howard that he's been for the last three years. So I, I, I'm not, unless you're doing this uh, specific punt strategy, uh, especially free throws. Obviously, I. Stick away from, stay away from Dwight. But if you're doing the that strategy and you can get him that late, you're setting yourself up to be a pretty dominant team when it comes to the counting categories. Howard has had every reason to improve his free throws for his long NBA career. Until he starts starts th- shooting underhand free throws, you're going to punt free throws if he's on your team. I don't know why he doesn't. Most, uh, I think the Rockets rookie is uh is starting to shoot underhand, so. Maybe it'll maybe it'll take off. That's great. I mean, he, I don't understand in a, uh, in a preseason game. I don't understand the negative connotation around it. I get uh, everybody talks trash in the NBA, and if there's one way to get trash talk to, it's shooting grandma shots. But guess what? Suddenly, everyone's talking about you. It's a smart move, just in the marketing sense. Everyone's going to be talking about you. You're going to be highlights on sports center you probably might get a marketing deal where you shoot underhand in some sub commercial like scotty pippen duncan mr subs on those ladies like why not give it a shot because if it works let's say it ups your percentage 20 percent, you're a better player now you're a much better player and you're a better asset you're worth more money and you're worth more to your team i don't understand why people who can't shoot free throws don't try it do it. And the only risk would be if you don't shoot seventy percent and you shoot underhand, it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a good look. Yeah, no, people wouldn't be, I guess, too happy about that. Um, but I, I didn't know I was going to get off on a uh, grandma ma free throw rant. So uh, we're probably in the fourth or fifth round. Any of those mid tier rounds of valued guys that uh, bump up significantly with a percentage turnover punting strategy. So Nikola Miritic, how do you pronounce his name? You would know. Um, uh, Mir- Miritic. That's, that's how I Miritic. usually say it. So he's uh, got an ADP of 80 right now, um, but he's ranked 30th in this strategy, 60th in standard 9-cat. So he gets a significant jump by losing his um, – he's got a minus 20 FPE in field goal percentage, a minus 10 – or a minus 7 in turnovers. So you drop those, and it uh, raises his value quite a bit. D'Angelo Russell raises his value. He's very poorly rated in uh, standard nine category just because we expect him to have a lot of turnovers and miss a lot of shots. And if you get rid of those two, his ADP of 81, which I'm guessing is outdated, even though I pulled it from Yahoo today, his ranking, if you are punting all ratios, is 29. Yeah, like we said with uh, D'Angelo, 
on the last episode, I think the hype train uh, has left the building a little early on him. I think he's going to be actually a pretty good player, and he's going to have a pretty good season. Uh, but a lot of – I mean, I've seen articles saying he might be an all-star in the West. Give me, uh, Come on. Give me a break. Look who's in the West. Damian he's got Lillard a lot of potential. Damian all-star team last year. Yeah, yeah. Damian Lillard led – go look at that. Uh, I had a nice look at the Portland roster. I have no idea how they even made the playoffs. Damian Lillard is is a monster, and he should be. He needs some respect. So, sorry, D'Angelo, you're not making the All Star team this year. Yeah, maybe in five years. Drew Holiday is the one of the most interesting players in this in this strategy. He's a the 27th ranked player on a per game basis. He's not injured, so when he gets back, we can expect him to be full full speed. And he's got a he's a veteran. He knows how to prepare himself for the season. So you, you can get him in the ninth or tenth round, possibly, and you can yeah. get a top 20, 25 player by the time the playoffs roll roll around. He's a, a great value pick. Oh, I completely agree. I've always kind of been a Drew Holiday fan, and I think it goes without saying that we we hope the best for his, his family. But fantasy wise, if you're you're looking at a guy, if you're in a roto league, you don't need to, you got an IR, however it works. That's a great late pick. That's a great eighth, ninth round pick. He is going to come back this year. Uh, hopefully we all hope. And um, when he's healthy, like you said, uh, a premier guard. So pulling a premier guard out of, out of the late rounds is almost impossible to do unless you get lucky or there's a fluke. So, um, a lot of people who are staying away from Drew Holiday, maybe you think he's injury prone or whatever, you know, don't worry about that. I'd, I'd definitely draft him and, and keep him hanging around. If you're in a head-to-head league where every start really counts and you don't know if you can wait that long or, you know, maybe you're, you, you stash him for the playoffs uh, if you think you have a pretty good team. Uh, Drew Holiday is definitely on my, uh, my list of uh, must-drafts this year. I drafted him in the eighth round in our hashtag basketball league. That's a, and I that's was a pretty happy round. to get him there. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I like Drew a lot, and uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good season. So the other uh, punting strategy that I wanted to talk about today uh, is my is my favorite personal favorite nine category punting strategy, where you 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 draft for for the guard status guards categories so you're punting turnovers field goals field goal percentage blocks and rebounds and that lets you take you can get a lot of really good value uh drafting traditional guards that don't know how to shoot the, uh, the the kobe strategy the uh the problem every year is getting enough centers and power forwards to to fill out your roster so you end up spending a lot more time on the waiver wire than than you ever really want, want to admit trying to grab that center that might make a three next week have you ever uh, tried a punt strategy like this? Uh, no, I've done uh, you know kind of a guard wing heavy lineups before, but uh, I've never tried to punt that many categories. I, uh, I I'm a little bit more safer, I guess, when it comes to punting categories in head to head leagues. I think once you start punting, your error your your margin of error becomes pretty low. If you, there's a couple guys who are going for a somewhat similar punting strategy, it can really bone you when you're trying to go for something that specific. 
but you know, have you had success? Have you had success with this punting strategy before? Like, what's your what's your rate of success? Well, I, very very successful. I've never not been able to finish in the top two or three doing this. Well, maybe Last I need year to give this, this a I think, shot. I think three leagues. It's a really good way to get a to get a lot of value. I might have to the, take some in tips the, in the draft and auction. So, you know, it's a good point that there are quite a few big men who don't fit that mold. One that comes right to my mind is, you know, uh, Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson's uh, a perimeter shooter, but he, he, he's he got power forward eligibility. I mean, he might even have center eligibility this year. He, depending he has on how center he's eligibility. Yeah. Yep. He, he, he did last year too. He's uh, he's one of the top targets for this, for this strategy. He's one of the few centers that his – Rank doesn't drop when you look at the punting strategy, but the uh, the real all star in this strategy is James Harden. Uh, I'm a big proponent of taking Harden for number one overall, but that's just an opinion. You can make arguments for one of four people, but using hashtag basketballs projections, which has him um, as the third ranked player in nine category leagues, he's the first ranked player by about 25 percent. In this in this strategy, so if you have a chance to take Harden and you're thinking about doing this, it's a it's a great way to go. Yeah, that's a that makes a lot of sense and it sets you up really nicely. Also, Harden could be the best fantasy player in the league this year with uh, D'Antoni's offense. I um, I've had this uh, a lot of debate about the first overall pick, and uh, I'm actually sitting in a it's a two man race. It's between James Harden and Steph Curry. Uh, a, a large step back from Steph Curry will is put him still, at, you know, is still, still an a, a godly man. Player. Yes, he destroyed everyone last year. Go look at the stats. Go look at uh, whatever ranking system you'd like to, to, to look at. He destroyed people, one of the best fantasy seasons of all time. Second place doesn't even really come that close to him, and 10th is nowhere near it. So, um Steph Curry, Steph Curry taking a step back is still probably the best fantasy player in the, in, in the league. So I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys, no matter what league you're in. I still like picking first so I can take Harden. But picking third this year, you're in a really good spot because it's coming around to you sooner, and you're going to get to pick Steph, Westbrook, or Harden, which is a really good place to be. Yeah, I like uh, I like that. It's something, something great falls to you at three. If I'm not at three, though, I like to be kind of at the end of that first round because a lot of good guys don't really mind having or falling to the end of that first round. And then you come back with another significant guy, maybe even a guy who fell out of the first round or the second round, you can snag him up too. And now you're already sitting with two quality players on your team. Uh, so if you win a league where somehow there is a some uh, sort of betting situation or feats of strength, that will pick your um, drafting sp- spot this year in a snake draft. Uh, you can't go obviously can't go wrong with number one, but after that, you know, go with three or go with uh, nine, ten, twelve, whatever, where, however big your league is. I I agree. I I prefer to be in uh, if I can't be in the top three at the end of the first round is is a good place to be. Have you ever uh, been in any contests for uh, the, the pick of your snake draft? No, that's that's never occurred to me. What uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing the league that you're getting sick for uh, has a yes. has a feat of strength. Um, uh, it's not so much feats of strength, more of feats of uh, drinking, and uh, often um, 
lots of uh, side bets are placed on these these feats of drinking, which also sets up for everyone making horrible, horrible decisions by pick 50. Um, it is an auction draft, so by pick 50, uh, we've had people who have no business being on, on a team being thrown out. Uh, you know, Gerald Wallace, $20. Everybody's like, what is wrong with you? Oh, it was sold. Uh, it's 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 a wonderful wonderful experience. I don't know if it adds you should any videotape value. it and make it into a sitcom. Like twenty people would would really get into that. So I bet you there's a there is at least a twenty person audience for that, um, which is probably bigger than our audience for this podcast. So uh, maybe we should get them. Way to go to negative this. on us. Hey, I said it. If there's more than twenty of you, pr- uh, please prove it by liking this podcast. Rating it really high, giving us reviews, that is always good for uh, publicity. If you like what you hear and you think there's some pretty good content, we will be putting this out the rest of the season. And the more high ratings and reviews we get, uh, the longer we can do this and provide a good fantasy basketball strategy. Um, that was a segue into kind of wrapping up, but I don't know if you did you have any more with that punting strategy. Well, I just want to remind people to. Tell your friends, too. Um, with the punting strategy, it's, it's really important to get uh, power forwards and centers uh, for this strategy that I really like. So if you can grab one in the first round, like Durant, um, highly recommended. Uh, Paul George is a great second-round pick if you can get him late uh, in the because he's uh, power forward eligible, just like drafting Melo or Kevin Love in the, in the third round. But otherwise, if you check out my article later in the week, you'll see a a, a longer list of players and estimated player places that you can draft them and get great value for a couple different punting strategies. So if you're if you're interested, you can find all the numbers there with my ranking system. Beautiful. Yeah, go check out Mike Muskett's punting strategy article on hashtagbasketball.com. Uh, Mike, where can we also contact you on Twitter, find any of the other stuff? Everything's on hashtag basketball that I have right now. And you can find me on Twitter at StatDance, S-T-A-T, Dance. And uh, I'll always be entertaining tweets there. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheBoxes, all one word. Um, usually I'm just retweeting people who are uh, very interesting. So, But uh, I'll be answering any uh, fancy basketball questions you got and probably – uh, tweeting hateful things about whoever's beating the Bulls, if you're into that kind of tweeting. Uh, so like, like I said, if you like what you're hearing, give us a good review. If you don't like it, continue to download the podcast, but do not give us a review. Um, thank you for joining us, and we'll, we'll be back very soon for the start of the NBA season. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Take care.